Welcome to 101 Days Away. This week I'm in Tanzania. Today I started my trek to Kilimanjaro. I'm about four hours in at this point. It's going well so far. The weather is cool and we're going through a really lush rainforest right now. So it's very beautiful. On our first day of hiking Mount Kilimanjaro, we made it to the base camp in four hours and 15 minutes, which is a bit faster than usual. I think usually it's five to eight hours according to the information I was given. So things went really well. We moved at a quick pace. There were times when I was a little sweaty, but it's not like I was dripping in sweat as I was when I was climbing Mount Machu Picchu. The guide is very kind and has lots of stories to tell to occupy the time as we're walking for hours. Most of the terrain isn't too steep and it, there tends to be a large flat area after the steep parts, so you have time to recover. Again, different from Mount Machu Picchu where it just went up and up and up and up. This it goes up and it's flat, goes up and it's flat. And, and there's actually some minor downhill parts, which are a little bit refreshing. And I think it helps you to acclimate as you're going. For all of day one, we were walking through rainforest. And it's interesting that I've been to multiple rainforests and jungles during this trip because they look similar and they look different all at the same time. Kilimanjaro has a lot of flora and fauna that is distinct to the mountain. It's not seen anywhere else. And it kind of looks like something out of a sci-fi movie. And in the rainforest yesterday, we did see some blue monkeys. Um, they were pretty friendly. They didn't bother us. And they weren't intimidated by our appearance in the woods either. So um, they're clearly used to people trekking by them. And they probably wanted some snacks. But the trees were tall. They formed a canopy of shade, which was nice because down at the bottom of the mountain, it was a little bit warm, probably in the mid-60s. So at the point where if you're really moving quickly, you break a sweat, but you're not actually getting very hot, which is nice. It's an ideal hiking temperature. So there was a tall canopy of trees, lots of greenery everywhere you went, very thick. And every once in a while, you'd hear a monkey or see a monkey in the bushes or, or hear a bird. So the first day, it was all rainforest. And it's the first of the five ecological zones that make up Mount Kilimanjaro. That's one of the reasons why this trek is so unique, because you go from the rainforest to Arctic tundra. So it's vastly different. I mean, there's not many places that you can go on a hike and see a glacier and the rainforest. There are various routes that you can take to get to the top of Mount Kilimanjaro. And I chose one that is five days, so it's the shortest. And the major difference is that these camps have huts, so they're small wooden A-frame huts that you sleep in instead of just sleeping in a tent. They're unheated, but it provides a lot more protection from the elements than just a tent. And they're also level, so you have a flat sleeping surface, which Jonas, my guide, explained is not always the case when you're in a tent. You can kind of be like rolling down a hill as you're sleeping, which doesn't sound very pleasant. I signed up for a group tour, but somehow it's just me yet again. It's happened multiple times on this journey around the world. I have a guide. His name is Jonas. 
He somewhat resembles a smaller, friendlier-looking Dr. Dre. Something about his eyes and his bald head reminds me of Dr. Dre. Not his personality. He's very friendly. And then we have a team of porters as well. So I think that we have five or six porters, and we have one chef. And I know that sounds like a lot of porters, but the thing is that all the porters need to bring their own gear in addition to some of the gear needed to feed everybody. The more people, the more food we need. So you kind of get in the situation where you just need a lot of people to get all the food and cooking equipment up the mountain. The porters go ahead of me every day. They move very quickly. They're so used to this climb. They do it all the time. There are actually thousands of porters in Tanzania and in Mount Kilimanjaro. Uh, Jonas was telling me that tourism is 80% of Tanzania's economy and a lot of people are climbing Mount Kilimanjaro. So there's a lot of guides employed and a lot of porters as well. They fly by us on the trail every day and meet us at camp every night. Last night I had roommates in my tent, a couple from Sweden and Tanzania, and I haven't seen them since this morning. I hope they kept the climb going. We made it to the camp yesterday at about 4.15, and I settled into my hut, my little hut, and we had a big dinner. They gave me water for washing, warm water for washing up, which you just do very quickly because it's cold. It's probably... It was probably about 50 degrees last night. Um, it's hard to know because I don't have the ability to tell, um, but that's what it felt like to me. I couldn't see my breath or anything. And we had a big dinner and we walked outside. There were just stars everywhere. It's you know very dark and the stars are so clear and so bright and so beautiful here. And I made it back to my tent and did my best to sleep as much as I could and it took a little while to warm up in the unheated wooden hut <laughs> and I crawled into a ball in the, in the sleeping bag and I did get eight hours of sleep so I woke up feeling really good this morning. Today is day two of my Kilimanjaro hike. We began the day at the first base camp where we spent the night last night and it's still in the area of rainforest, but after about 20 to 30 minutes of trekking, we made it to the next ecological zone, which is moorland. So it's kind of just a bunch of grass. And it was steep in some areas, flat in others. And we walked through that. We stopped for lunch. A giant raven stole part of my lunch, but it was fine because they gave me way too much food anyway. <laughs> And then we continued walking. We walked a total of just about like six and a half hours today, I think. And we made it to the area that's called the Heathers, which looks a little bit like the moorlands, but with a lot of really interesting trees. We made it to the next camp. We got here at around four o'clock today. It's a lot bigger than the last camp because some people spend two nights here to help them acclimate and complete the journey. And then there's also people who are coming down the mountain who spend the night here on the way down. So it's much bigger. The bathrooms are much nicer. Thank goodness. <laughs> the bathroom situation is very interesting on this. It involves peeing behind a lot of bushes. And you just say, I'm going to the bush. And the guide waits while you go pee behind a bush. You kind of have to time it because the moorlands there weren't many areas to pee. You have to kind of wait and take the opportunity when it comes to you and there's a, a good bush. <laughs> it's quite the adventure. 
uh, as we've made it to about 12,500 feet tonight versus the 9,000 last night, it has gotten a lot colder and we're right around the freezing mark. I'm wearing so much clothing. (laughs) I'm wearing um, two jackets, a sweatshirt, a long sleeve shirt, a tank top and a t-shirt and leggings and sweatpants and two pairs of socks. And I have a sleeping bag. And in addition to that, the chef is going to fill an actual Nalgene water bottle up with boiling water for me to sleep with. I'm going to put it in a Ziploc just to make sure that it doesn't leak because the only thing worse than being cold is being cold and wet. And I don't want my sleeping bag to get wet because that would be a bad situation for tomorrow night where I'll be sleeping even higher and even colder. Despite the cold, which is the biggest obstacle thus far, I feel good. Um, I was nervous because Machu Picchu Mountain was a big challenge for me. I was huffing and puffing for breath throughout that. And if you listen to that podcast, you heard it. But this is so much easier. I think it's because it is steep and then flat for a while. So you're able to catch up and catch your breath. One of the other big differences is that I am taking Diamox and Diamox is a medicine that prevents altitude sickness. So it basically just, based on what somebody told me, it helps deliver more oxygen to your to your lungs and throughout your body. Uh, so that's really helping me. The guide is also making sure that I'm drinking at least two liters of water every day as we trek. And I drink even more at the camps. So... I'm doing the best to take care of myself. I'm doing my best to stay warm and to stay optimistic. Uh, I know tomorrow is going to be a lot harder. It's going to get harder as it gets higher and we get less air and it gets colder. Right now, my biggest concern is sleeping tomorrow when it's going to be very, very cold and then the actual summit itself. My guide Jonas told me there are three rules. Drink a lot of water go slow and stay positive. And that's the secret to making it to the top. And not everyone does make it to the top. So that's a reality that I'm faced with. And I really have to do my very best to take care of myself and put myself in the best position to accomplish this goal. Day three of the hike went really well. We spent most of our time in the desert area. So there's an alpine desert and a high alpine desert. And it's kind of a sandy area with lots of very small, low-lying vegetation, which is problematic when the bathrooms are usually behind big bushes. So you really need to time your your day right because you can't really subtly pee in the desert areas. We hiked for about seven hours and arrived at the camp at around three. And this is the camp called Kibu, and it is the closest to the summit, at least on our route. We had an early dinner, me and my guide, and then I had some time to sleep, but not much because at 11, I got up so we could leave to hike the summit at midnight. My tour guide prepped me for the hike to the summit, and he told me that it was a gentle hike, which is exactly how he had described all the other days of hiking, and they were very gentle. This was not. I would call this a steep ascent that makes your calves want to burn off. It was very challenging. He also went over what to wear because it is very cold here, um, especially at midnight during their dry season, which is 
the coldest season of the year. So I was wearing so many layers. I was wearing leggings with sweatpants on top and then ski pants on top of that. I was wearing tank top, a t-shirt, two long sleeve shirts, a sweatshirt, and then a jacket. And then maybe another jacket on top of that. I kept changing my layers um, on top because I was getting hot and cold throughout the hike. When I woke up at 11 for the midnight ascent up the mountain, I was not in the greatest place. I wasn't feeling very good. I hadn't slept much, so I was feeling exhausted. And exhaustion is also another symptom of altitude sickness. I had a mild headache, which is another altitude sickness symptom. I'm on altitude sickness medication, the preventative medication. But, you know, once you're up at 15,000 feet, it can only do so much. So I was kind of feeling those effects. And I took more of the medication and we just got going. And, and it's completely dark too. So when you're not feeling well and it's very cold and it's completely dark, it's very hard conditions. And it's hard to see. So so we just started walking. I followed my guide. I had extra layers with me. I was wearing as much clothing as I could fit on my body. And it went on and on and on and on. Um, so challenging, so steep. And after about an hour of hiking, the headache went away and I started to feel really great for a few hours. And then probably around 17,000 feet, the altitude sickness kicked back in and I was just exhausted. I was like a rag doll trying to climb up a mountain, doing the best I could. I was very vocal with my guide about how I was feeling throughout the entire hike. And he felt that my symptoms were very mild and that I could do it. So he, he got me up to the top and it was one of the hardest things I've done in my life. And I had imagined feeling this immense sense of satisfaction at reaching the summit and instead I was so tired and so eager just to go back down so the altitude sickness would start to go away and that's how most people actually describe their experience as well. In total it took about seven hours to get to the summit. That's a long time. It's a lot of hiking. It was very cold for most of it and then finally the sun came up and it warmed up a little bit, not very much. And then it took another five hours to get back down. And getting down was not fun um, and harder than I thought it would be. And it took a lot longer than we thought it would. So not the greatest day of hiking. It was amazing to do it. I'm really proud of the accomplishment, but I wouldn't describe it as fun. When we did reach the camp, I had an hour to rest, so I slept for one hour. That was the time I was given. And then I had brunch that was prepared by the chef, Fabian, who is my chef for the trip. And in some cruel joke, we then had to hike more. We had to hike to the next base camp, the same camp where we had spent our second night. And the reason for this is you only spend a day and a half going down the mountain. And it's also best just to get to lower elevation as quickly as you can. So it's the difference between staying somewhere that's about 15,000 feet to a place that's 12,000, which is much more manageable. And I did feel much better there. So 
after hiking for 10 or 11 hours up Kilimanjaro, we hiked four more hours to the other camp. It was grueling and exhausting, and I wish that I could go home to a hot shower and a warm bed, and instead I have a small bucket of warm water and a a hut that has no heating. My porters greeted me with songs when I arrived at the base camp after making it to the summit. This is a tradition that takes place on the mountain, and they sing a lot of traditional songs and a special Kilimanjaro song. It is day five, my final day on the mountain. I slept okay last night. I wore snow pants and a ski jacket because it was very cold. And we've been making our descent today. It's a little hard on my knee, which I hurt a few years ago. Um, So I'm going a little slow. But we've reached some flatter parts, which is really nice and easy. As we descend, we are literally walking through clouds, which is very surreal. The weather's been nice. It was misty for just a minute yesterday. I actually think we were walking through a rain cloud, but I'm not really sure. Uh, The sun's shining. It's warmer down here, which I'm very grateful for. And we should be back to the gates in a few hours. Guys, that's it. I did it. I made it. I climbed the mountain. I made it back down the mountain. And I continued on my trip. I went to the Serengeti on a safari after that. Then I went to Portugal and London and made it back home to Chicago. The podcast got lost along the way at the end, um, mostly because I was just trying to have fun with my family. I met up with my sister and my husband and enjoyed the rest of my adventure before coming back home. And now I've been settled back home for a couple months now. I had such an amazing time. I am so happy that I went on the adventure. It really was the adventure of a lifetime. I learned so much. I saw so much. I learned about the world around me and myself, and I feel so lucky that I got to do it. I'm proud of myself for taking the risk and doing it. I'm glad I did most of it on my own. I'm sad that it's over, but I'm also glad to be home. Having a warm bed and a hot shower are two things that I appreciate a little bit more now. Thank you to everyone who followed along with the trip, and I don't think I would have actually made it to the top of the mountain if I wasn't afraid of disappointing everyone. (laughs) So I'm signing off with the podcast, but you can continue to follow me on Instagram and on the website at thekitchen.com. Thanks.